Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast lovers, how the fuck are you, friends? Welcome to the show. Lions Lounge Lockdown is sponsored for the entire 2021 season by Match Scaffolding. Match Scaffolding is a company that is owned and operated by a Millwall fan. So if you need a little bit of scaffolding in your life, please don't hesitate to check out Match Scaffolding's contact details in the description of this audio podcast offering. Our guest today for Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 41, is a midfielder that came to the club in 1996 but he didn't leave until 2001. I actually didn't realise that until I researched it. He was a very different interview. Some of them funny, some of informative. informative. This flows so, so well. And I didn't really say a lot. And that's when you know it's a good interview. Bobby Barry was brilliant. And his passion and his desire, for not just for the game currently, but the game he's played and the players he played with, he just remembers absolutely everything. And, and you can just tell he comes across that football is his absolute life. I'm going to stop talking. I'll let you crack on with it. It's a brilliant interview. Bobby Barry, Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 41. Enjoy. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 41. Bobby Barry. Bob, thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, lovely being on the show. Um, I've seen quite a lot of your... uh previous ones with some of my ex-teammates and that and they've been yeah, really good really good viewing cheers mate thank you six years at the club 1995 to 2001 140 games and five goals signed in July 95 from just up the road yeah that was a um, it was a weird one obviously it was, I, was, I think Andy Roberts had gone a couple of weeks before and uh, I came over I met Mick who for me was like an unbelievable like person to go and play for, sold the club to me. I was in and out of contract negotiations with sort of Palace at the time. Um, Millwall just seemed like a good fit in terms of being in London, not far. I think my missus was, was just about having uh, my son, not, not far off that. Um, yeah, look, listen, it was six years up and down. Loved a lot of um, the top of my time there. And when I go back then, I've done the commentary a few times with Dino standing and the guy has been in the box a lot of times. Obviously, got players at the club, and I've actually got a good relationship with, with, with the fans. It's actually been quite, especially quite nice for me when I go back there because uh, at the time you probably don't get appreciated as much. And then, listen, it was um, 
for me is a real good thing in building my character in my life, really, in terms of being at Millwall and, and, and being around such good people at the times. What was it like for you, the original transition, of course, coming from Palace? Did, did you find that more difficult? You, you, you brought Ricky Newman with you. Well, not if it wasn't your, your choice. Was that a double signing? Or, or I remember? No, no. No, I, I, I came before Ricky. Okay. So I came before Ricky. Um, yeah, it was tough. Obviously, being an ex-Palace player, I think the thing that got me off the hook, so to speak, was in we, we played the, uh, the live game on the TV against Palace. I happened to set up the first goal for Mouts and I got man in the match that day and I remember leaving the ground and it was kind of like, it was a weird feeling because a lot of Palace supporters that I was liked at Palace as well, um, they couldn't believe that I sort of gone to Millwall but um, yeah, that was an unbelievable day for me. That was in terms of um, playing in that game, the atmosphere. I think after we scored, the, I think Uwe Fuchs scored a goal from a, like, the keeper flapped it, Nigel Martin flapped it and I remember a big Millwall supporter coming running on the pitch to to give Uwe a hug and it was sort of, um, that was what Millwall was about, you know, the the, fan, the away fans were, I mean, unbelievable when we go away home. I mean, I remember a night at Birmingham City away, I think we, think we, I think we were beaten 2-1, I think Alex scored, winner, uh, Kerry Dixon, and I remember uh, the fans on the way outside the ground, it was fantastic, you know, mm. it's um, quite emotional when you, when, 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 they, when, they, when they're going for you, there's probably no better crowd for me in terms of uh, being there. I mean, I remember, you probably remember this, I've got a standing ovation. I got sent off after bloody five minutes against Stoke. I've got a really good Yeah, I, I, I was literally in tears. And I, I'm walking off and Key's going, yeah, you're one of us. And I thought, bloody, I've just been sent off. Like, so, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Um, yeah, no, it was, um, that first year under Mick was, probably you'd remember, we were flying. We were like, we were top of the league and I think he actually then got called up to do the Republic of Ireland job, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And then this, the team sort of, the cracks thing started to show and then we, we just we just nosedived. It was unbelievable. And then, mm. um, of course, we had Jimmy Nicol and the other guys coming in. Uh, Rhino, club legend and Mako, sorry, I played with Rhino and what a player he was, by the way, you know, in mm. terms of um, every day in training, he demanded nothing but 100% and, Listen, I, I remember, I remember going to Millwall on a Friday. Most times on a Friday, you'd have a, an easy session. We play young v old. Mick would join in, and you got Rhino and that kicking lumps out of you in the training session. And like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. But what a great, what a great place for the for the for the younger boys coming through. Because I actually ended up managing him with our agency, Stephen Reed, those boys, Lucas Neal, Kale. I mean, when those boys came through, they were like a breath of fresh air for an older player like myself. And mm. I took a lot of them under my wing. They were, I still speak to a lot of them now. And Lucas Neal was a very, very good player. And I think, uh, you know, look at, looking at Millwall now, that, that was one of their best young teams, I thought, at the time. I think most of them went, in, went on and played in the... I'd gone by then in the FA Cup final against Man United. Yeah, yeah, so mate. It was a great very, day for the club. Very interesting time at the club. So you come in in the late 90s, and like you say, you had your critics at time at Mill, but you were still there in 2001. You saw you saw the transition. You saw the administration. Then you saw the the back end of Mick and, and the, the madness of the Russians and, and the Uwe Fuchsies. And then oh, yeah. you, saw the, you saw the youngsters coming in. Let's wind it back to the beginning. Mick McCarthy, as you said, what was he like for you as a manager? I still speak to him now, um, obviously, with the agency stuff. Mm. I mean, I'm, even down to, I've been, on, been going on holiday and 
my wife's calling me to uh, take take the um, pack the stuff on the uh, on the on the on the uh, for the luggage bit and mix there. And he turns around, and he says, "Where you going? I'm going on a day." He says, oh, "Make sure you have a nice time." You're fat. Just an absolute top bloke. Honestly, I, I couldn't speak highly. His number two at the time was a guy called uh, Ian Evans, Taff. Like, just good people. No, no coincidence. He's gone and got another job in um, at Cardiff, you know, which is great for him. But uh, if you look at it, <laughs> he he brought a lot of good players to the club, and he had a. Uh, I, I think even though Millwall fans, you know, were a bit sad that he left, he he, he done it. He actually assembled quite a good squad that year. I thought. Yeah, mate, he's, he's mad. We was top at Christmas. And like you said, after that, nosedived. And there was so many players in. And that's, it's quite a famous year amongst Mule fans just because of the sheer amount of players in and out. Obviously, we got you in, Ricky Newman, Uwe Fuchs, Chris Malcolm, with the intention of having a good go and getting promoted. you know what I mean? And it just went to yeah. shit, didn't it, really? Yeah, it, it just nosedived. Um, you know, we said Ben, Alex, Ray. We, we, had some, we had some good cases in goal. We, you know, we, we had a good team. I mean, when, when we were... When we were on it, that, that team there, I mean, obviously, we, we'd, we'd gone to quite a few places, the Norwiches and Derbys, and, and got great results. And I, we had a nice little cup run. I think we we, um, we beat Everton at Everton that year. Yeah. Uh, that was a great night. I think the young lad at the time, good player, Scott Taylor. Yeah. Scott, uh, we'd done well. And obviously, Dave Savage. Yeah, we um, we had some good we had some good players, but I mean, at the same time, we had some equally bad ones. Um, what did you make of the likes of Uwe Fuchs and the Russians? I remember when the Russians came in, it was a big coup for the club. I, I'm going to actually say it, and one of them was, was one, of the most, one of the best players in Europe. Uh, was he called Kulkov? Centre yeah. midfield player? Kulkov, and, um, yeah. The, the centre forward in training, he was unbelievable. Euren. Yeah. Um, Talented was, was, was like really, really good players, but they, just different culture, different, different environment in terms of coming in there. Uwe was a bit different. Um, he was good friends with Casey, so he was very well liked by the lads. Uwe Fuchs, in terms of you know, he he was a bit unlucky because uh, he probably needed Malks Malks up front of him more because Malks was a just a hard, such a hard working player. Whereas Uwe, he's a, for a big man, he like to come off and link play that kind of stuff. But um, mm. yeah, it was a, it was it was a weird time when when, when the Russians come in. I got to admit, uh, I think their first game. My memory is not bad here. The first game we played them was full house. It was against Port Bell. Yes, right. And uh, the amount of fans that turned up, it was, it was a joke. It was, mm. I remember the day quite clearly. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough for any person to settle down. But obviously, two Russians can come into to, to the den. <laughs> that, that, that's a culture shock for anyone. Let's get it right. <laughs> you said yeah. that Casey was close with um, someone there. Who was you close to in the squad? Dave Savage, Dave Savage was probably still one of my good friends. Good friend of mine, Tony Witter. What an underrated player he was. 1v1 defending. There was a season, that season him and Rhino, not, not much went past him. He uh, really good one-on-one defender. Got on very well with um, with Ben. Ben Thatcher as well. Good lad, great lad. Um, yeah, and we, we had a good group. We used to go out together and that as well. We, 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 had, we had a good group of boys. It's just a shame that season, it just, as you said, went absolutely from hero to zero quite quickly. Yeah, well, Mick McCarthy obviously left. That was sort of in the pipeline for a while, which, if I remember, started off the bad run. And then when he did leave, um, we knew it was already on the way down. Jimmy Nickel comes in. What was your first impressions of Jimmy Nick? Lovely bloke. 
uh, came down from Scotland, obviously, had been a really good, obviously a very good player at Man United, had different methods, wanted us to a little bit more play out in the back and I really liked it. Training, training was different, you know, was it as intense as mix? Probably not. Um, I think we brought down, I actually became good friends with the, the Scottish boys, uh, Stevie Crawford, who was a good player. Mm. Uh, then we had, I think, Jason Deer and uh, sent them off a bit of a no-nonsense one they thought was going to be sort of like the new Rhino didn't really happen was uh, Dave Sinclair yeah, you know so um, right, let's get it right Rhino not really replaceable let's get that right but, um, <laughs> no, no. yeah so yeah that was that was that was a tough one because he, he took over it when when they were sort of when we were sort of slipping we then had a little bit of a resurgence got some players in uh, and I remember getting a, I think it might be the last game of the season when we actually went down we actually played really well but never, never had a goal for it away to Ipswich, mm. which uh, and it was kind of yeah, it was kind of sitting and getting relegated at, at the time. Yeah, I've got to build again. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like last game of the season, we we went down a goal difference, I believe, and you've gone to the club with obviously the belief and and the the intentions from Mick probably saying we're going to you know we're going to we're going to have a go here, we're going to spend some dough because two hundred twenty grand for you back then, seven fifty for Uve, four hundred for. Uh, Malkin, people were probably thinking that's not a lot, but back in them days, it's, especially in mill terms, we had, we was we was looking to have a go and go to the top flight, weren't we? Yeah, we invest, you know, we invested. We had some, you know, I think uh, obviously a Ben Thatcher and Alex Ray were always going to go on and do better things. So you know, we we did well. I think the club did well keeping for that long. Um, you had lads like Jason Van Blurk who, who played a lot of games with the club. Um, and listen, it was one of those things where I think even you're seeing it this season, you've seen a lot of teams with a lot of investment actually not doing that well. I think uh, for Mill at the time was about recruitment, getting the right players in and obviously Mick was going to be a hard act to follow by anyone, I feel. Well, look, we get relegated and we end up in, in League One. The 1996-97 season. I remember at the time when I was saying, oh, it's going to be, we'll go to League One or whatever it was called then. Division two or three, it's been division three then, wasn't it? We're going to go for it just for a year, just for an holiday. And obviously, we ended up being there, down there five years. Did you have the belief as, as a squad and yourself personally that we can we can come straight back here first time of asking? We should have done, you know, with the players we had in in that level. I think we be, you become obviously a bit of a bigger scout then at the level the, that you're at now. Cool. And I think even you know as, as you said. We, the club had, had then had that such a long period of time in that league, it became really hard. And as you've seen now, you've got in League One, Portsmouth, Wigan, who won the FA Cup a few years ago. Mm. You've got Sunderland, and you're thinking, Jesus, Ipswich, you know, you know, those clubs are all bigger than even a Millwall now, currently, in terms of fan base, size of club, and obviously history being in, in the Premiership. So you look and you go, no one's got a a divine right, I think, to, to go up, obviously. And um, I think that was a really hard thing for me to take, playing, knowing that we, we were actually probably, you know, if we had the, the correct mentality and, and getting on it properly, you know, yeah, you, you, we had a squad big enough and good enough to, to get promoted. Went into administration at some point along the way there as well. So that did that have a knock-on effect to the squad? It must have done, surely. Yeah, it was, it was weird thinking, are you going to get paid? What's yeah. going on? Um we had a little bit of a fire sale, didn't they? Sold a couple of the players and that. And yeah, the, the, the club was in turmoil. It was a weird place to go in every day. Um, 
listen, for me, football's always been my life. So um, I should, I loved going into training at the training ground. It was under any manager. It was, um, it was a play. It was a pleasure to put, to actually be able to do something you actually like doing. I think nowadays a lot of the young lads, due to not just the money but the added businesses, do they do they actually love football? I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know when I saw the likes of Reed, Kale, and all those boys coming up, we we we'd get in at nine o'clock. New Harris, I remember New Harris coming in, uh, good friends with Chopper and. I think he played the last game of the season. I can't remember. We played, done really well in the game. Then he ends up making a, an unbelievable career for himself. We had the other lad, uh, young lad, Sadler, who, if he didn't get an injury, this kid was a hell of a player. I think, you know, he was going on to be, going to be a really good player. So, um, yeah, that was a tough time, here, that that period of time in, in my career at Millwall. We finished 14th this season. I was trying to pick out a highlight or two. You played 30 games. Uh, which was slightly less. You sort of missed the last 10 league games or so. We'll get onto that in a minute. But let's talk about, which I found on YouTube the other day, um, an absolute banger you scored at Walsall. What's a goal? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a good goal. Uh, yeah, after that, I actually showed it to me academy boys. They couldn't believe I kicked it that far. With the news that manager Jimmy Nicholl and his assistant Martin Harvey have been sacked. The departures are part of the club's financial rescue package. Chief Executive Graham Hortop has also gone. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it was a good strike. I, I actually got injured. Uh, I got injured on. Uh, it might have been actually the same. Not. It might have been the same game. I'm not even sure. I done my wrist. Someone landed on my wrist, and literally, I was going to play on the Tuesday. And basically, I got rushed in hospital. Saint uh, sat in Saint John's Wood, and I had the operation, and I was out for literally, yeah, the rest of the season. What of a wrist yeah. injury. And, uh, yeah, it was my wrist. I done a scaphoid, um, like really bad, uh, which weren't great. But actually. I think that might have been, actually might be the thing. I think I've done my knee and I came back, literally, I missed the whole of pre-season the next year, came back and obviously then, um, I believe Rhino and Mac had sort of taken over um temporary thing. They, um, they got back the team spirit in all fairness. Mm. That was a big thing. The team spirit was better. We got to Wembley. Uh, probably the most disappointing time when you think you should be in a team and you didn't get picked. So I remember myself on Paul Shaw, who was a hell of a player, by the way, who we never got on at Wembley. And I remember support was actually saying to us at the time, oh, uh, we actually could, we actually needed you probably to get on the pitch, you two. And I was, that was game because I played, I played in the, I played, I missed, I actually missed a penalty. We played Bournemouth away. Um, we beat them on pens. Then I, we played, I think we played Walsall. One Tuesday night, beat them. And it was, then in the second leg, I was suspended because I got set up at Stoke. And then I couldn't get back in the team. And then I actually didn't think I was going to make the um, thing in the F Force. Might be three subs those days. And yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to be sub. I think um, we had a walk around, was walking around just by up in Kensington. And Gaffer pulled me and said, Look, you've been unbelievable for me. Like, I know you, you, you want to play, but you're going to be on the bench. And I was like, I was actually quite relieved to be honest with you. But I actually felt a bit. Um, it was a strange one. Even going at the warm up, it was at the old, obviously the Wembley, the old Wembley there, and you're thinking, God, what, what a place to play football, what a place to go and go and try and get on and play. And when you don't get on, you kind of really deflated. And uh, did we get beat 1 0? It was a bad game. 1 0, literally last, last kick. Yeah, it's a bad game. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad day. And um, I actually, what was really tough is that we'd organise an event with a, 
we actually, I think the fans came after at like a hotel, like a bit of food and everything. And it's, it's obviously when you don't play, it's not great. But when you lose as well, coupled to that, you don't really feel like talking about the game, the, the mm. punters, isn't it? But um, yeah, that, that was a tough side. That, that that day was a bad day for me personally. Yeah, for, and for the club, I think it was more really. For, for, it was just the. I never thought we'd ever get here in my lifetime, and I was 19 years old at the time. Obviously, we ended up going back to Wembley plenty, but I think it's for the for the fans more about the occasion, and maybe the players got caught up in that as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've had some fantastic days out at, at Wembley of of late. Obviously, um, I was lucky that I, I brought Paul Robinson to the football club. You probably wouldn't know that he I, I coached Robbo when I was at Millwall. I was actually coaching Robbo, and uh, he, he's a family friend. Um, he was actually a centre midfield player at Watford and he did got released, comes to Millwall, out on loan, gets loading injuries and probably be one of the most happiest days in football was seeing him score the winner against Swindon. Yeah. That was um what uh, that, that was like so emotional, like being with his parents and that someone who died for the club, you know, still working for the club now. And uh, yeah, along with like Harris, you know, yeah, proper Millwall legends to be mm-hmm. fair to. They seem like we could get all people on. They're all great, but some of them go, "Fuck me, mate! That was twenty-five years ago. I can't remember that." You seem to, you can just tell that football's just in you, mate. You just love it. You remember every game, every kick, every player, which is good for the show. Yeah, <laughs> it's good for yeah, me. Yeah, no, listen, listen. It's it's one of them ones where if 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 you care about your job, you you, you remember these things. And you know, I've had some mad moments. I I played the night Canton. I was in the, went in the crowd at Palace, and I was just yeah. I, and let's get it right. If, if he'd have gone into Millwall, West Ham, I'm not sure he'd have come out alive. You know, so, um, we we always laugh about that. He chose the right club to go into the crowd with because let's get it, let's get it right. He wouldn't have been coming back with with too much of his body left, would he? But, um, yeah, so, um, that was a that was a mad night. And um, I actually remember one night um, a Birmingham game when we we beat Birmingham and they smashed our coach. We we come back, we were to move to the front, the back, the whole back of the coach was smashed. And unfortunately, on the on the uh, believe it or not, on the on the on the reverse game when we beat them, I think I scored in that game. We've done two nil. Um, I think I think there's someone that actually got killed, you know, with like a rival. And I think back years years went on the, the playoff game when the when it kicked off at the den and that with, with the Birmingham lot and all those. It's kind of yeah, it, it's sort of good and bad times, you know. Yeah, mate. Yeah, but listen, you had a great career. I can't believe how long you played for the club for. I say we'll get onto that later. But let's let's wind it back. So I want to ask you saying what you saying about the players coming through and, and asking about the transitional time at the club under Jimmy Nichols' management just before he got sacked. Um, just some of the players that were in. I mean, Mark Bright came in, Crystal Palace legend. Uh, I remember I remember him scoring actually at Bournemouth. I was there that day. Darren Huckabee, yeah. and then you got the youngsters coming through, sadly at Bircham, and then obviously Ray Wilkins comes to the club as a player. So some some a very big mix of youth and, and experience, weren't there? Ray Wilkins, bless him, God rest his soul. I came across him. I, I went on trial at QPR, and I signed for signed for a month. And I just remember him and Kenny sat. I was like a seventeen year old skinny black kid going in there, and they took me under their wing, like Ray Wilkins and Kenny Sanson. And I just remember after every training session, watching these two fellas. They used to put a dustbin in them on the centre circle and they go in a penalty spot and they try and click, hit hit the bin. And Ray Wilkins, right and left foot, I, I'm talking unbelievable. And then he came to Crystal Palace. So when he came to Palace, we actually, he mentored me and Gareth Southgate in terms of when on an away trip to pre-season, looked after us, unbelievable role model. Then when he came to Millwall, 
I was like, oh, wow, this is like great. I mean, listen, obviously, he, he, he was a time where that was another tough time when he was there. But as a person, he probably had a big, big influence on me in terms of my standards and uh, to say you are how you carry yourself as a person. Mark Bright, obviously, know really well. Um, I, I actually joined Palace just as he was leaving. Uh, but listen, he still works for Palace now. Great person. Damon Huckabee, a hell of a player, by the way. Uh, I remember a game, I think, might have been right early start of the season, might have been crew. He destroyed them. Pace, power. And I believe I believe we got him from Newcastle on loan yeah. at the time. And then they recalled him. I mean, you could always see that he was going to go and be, he probably could have been even better, but a top player, good player, very good player. Mm. He was. Talk about Jimmy Nickel. Jimmy Nickel loses his job. And then we see the return of John Dockey. What did you make of Jimmy Nickel out? Do you think that was warranted? And then obviously the Doc coming back after a long absence from the club temporarily. Yeah, so that was a period of time when I was injured with my knee. So I didn't really come really much with John. I was with a physio a lot of time. Um, obviously, he'd been a legend at the club. So obviously, he, he carried a lot of, you know, gravitas in terms of like people respected him. I think the Jimmy thing was uh, results. It was a results game, you know, as we, as we speak now. Bournemouth have got relegated, lost four games in a row. And Tyndall's been, you know, Jason's been sacked. Football is... Sadly, the most ruthless industry, one of the most ruthless industries you know in terms of it's a results game and ultimately players get the manager sacked because they're not performing or not playing or, or not getting results. You know, you player power, team. mate. I believe you and you'll yeah. know more than I will. Player power is massive now in football. Yeah, you, you, listen, you, you see, you, you see even with big teams, you know, players, I mean, going to Chelsea, you've got players like Alonso and that were never going to play on the Lampard comes back first game for the other fella, scores, and you're thinking, what's going on here? And you think, it's about opinions as well. You yeah. know, if, if you look at, uh, you know, even the boys have had Brian Webster, Aidan Web, Aiden O'Brien, um, Robbo there, and those go lads there. You know, it's, it's hard because obviously, you, you look at Byron, he came in to replace Robbo. And you're like, Robbo's not replaceable. Yeah. Because the, I remember the night Robbo got injured at Barnet in a comeback game with Millwall, might have been a cup game. I'm in the hospital at 2.30 in the morning with him, like thinking career full trouble, done his, think he might have done his ankle again. And the amount of adversity he had, but then to go on and do so well, showed you that one of the key ingredients of being a Millwall player, you've got to have resilience, but you've got to have, a, you've got to have a strong character. The 1997-98 season, obviously the doc was only there temporarily, and Billy Bonds comes in. So as an ex... Palace player coming to Millwall and now seeing a West Ham player trying to achieve management career at Millwall. What did you, did you think now this ain't the right fit or did you think maybe he can turn it round? What was he like for you, Bob, as uh, Billy, as a manager? Well, he made me, ca- I was captain under quite a few of the managers. It was quite really weird. Jimmy, yeah. I was captain under Mick for a bit. Jimmy Nicole, um and Bonds. And he lives out in Alperton, not far from me. And I really liked him. As in, a, as a person, you could see why he, he was, well, you know, I'm not saying Bobby Moore, but like he, we talk about West Ham. People talk about him in the same kind of breath, mm. and he brought in his assistant, who was another good bloke called Patsy Holland, and we actually were doing all right under him. We had some, we had some good results under him, um, but ultimately, coming from West Ham, you're never going to win Millwall fans over. Are you? No, let's get it right. He, he, he could have won 20 games in a row. And whatever, and he would have still be seen as Billy Bonds from West Ham, and I get that. 
I get that. And, you know, to be fair to the men, to take on that job showed, showed, showed some absolute balls, to be fair, yeah. you know, as a manager, because you're there to be shot at. And um, listen, still see him, still see him not as much, obviously, but yeah, he, he, I, I got on very well with him. And I was a bit gutted when he, when he went, to be fair. It's another season where just some, I just pick some random names out, and I do like to do this. The young boys we'll talk about in a minute, the the sort of the early foundations for the for the title winning squad 2001. But some players, first off, two goalkeepers that were legends in their own right, but never at Millwall. Mark Crossley played 13 games for the club on loan and Nigel Spink was played more games. What were they like as characters, those boys? They were, I think you missed the name Matt, as well. There was another lad who I played with at Palace who was an absolute nutter, Andy Gray. So Crossley, great keeper, Spink, Great keeper, great person. He had an aura about him. I mean, let's get it right. He he, he won the he won the European Cup. Yeah, yeah, for a Villa, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Right. and you look at, when he came in the building, like he was like a man mountain. He, he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, Keller was Keller was naturally gifted, very good. I think he was sort of coming at the end, but he had an aura about him. Cosley, good lad, real real good lad, good people, um, good good around the dressing room. Looked after the youngsters, and yeah, I mean, when you get those kind of people coming to the club, you actually think I actually forgot about those two defensive that they mm-hmm. actually were at the club because they were really, really good people. Both we, always, we always usually talk about we always end up talking about the same sort of people like the Russians and the Uves. So I thought I'd go down a different route, just pick some names out of yeah. people. Another character I've hearing he was a born again Christian by the time he got to Millwall, but previously had completely been a, a, a fruit loop. Brian Law, and also talk about Paul Shaw because he was just a good player for us, and he's still fondly remembered by fans. I knew Lawsy when he was at QPR when I was there. So Lawsy was coming through, and obviously he played a couple of games, a few games at QPR, went to Wolves, um, good player. He, he, he would have probably, if I got a Brinsley, without his injuries, he was the nearest one in terms of a mentality, and that's why Rhino and that loved him, and the, and the guys, he was a good pro, did everything right. Really good lad, hard as nails. P- Paul Shaw, that might be a bit controversial here. You've got Morrison, you've got Chopper. I- I'm pretty sure he's right up there with him. But as a player, technically, technically outstanding. Came from Arsenal. We hit it off together. I think one night we we, we battered Gillingham one night. I think I might even set up a couple of goals. But he was unbelievable player. Really, really good player. I think he's out in America doing the coaching, but um, yeah. he, he should have been, for me, probably a top premiership player. He was that good. Yeah. You, you know players are good when, in training, they're consistently the best players in training. They're really good. Yeah. They're a good player. And then, obviously, say that the early the early foundations of the 2000-2001 the squad, probably a highlight, one of the few highlights to come out of the season. We finished 18th. Tim Cale makes his debut. Stephen Reid, who said you know personally, sadly is firing goals in. Stuart Nevercott comes to the club. Birchie's playing. Robbie Ryan arrives. And you can start to see, yeah, there you go. That's going to start, you know, the wheel's starting to turn. Yeah, that group, we used to go out for, like, in the Bromley a lot with Robbie Ryan, uh, Cale. I think they used to live in the same place. The sort of, was it the training ground? Really good lads. Robbie, very underrated left back. Uh, probably, most people probably say that he'd probably been in that era, last couple, that probably been the best left-sided left-back we've had. Mm. Um, Kale was a phenomenon. Playing with him, I'd, I'd be doing his dirty work. But ball went in the box and 
as it proved and as it always was going to happen, that he was going to go and destined to be a top player. The one thing I'll say about him, if you ring him now, he's the same person as he was then. He, he's not changed. He's not big time. What a lovely person. Um, pleasure to play with him. Good lad. Lucas, another good lad as well. Um, probably a lad who, who, who probably should have done better, who, who actually was good at Millwall. And I think he went to Sheffield United, Paul Eiffel. Yeah. Yeah, good player, good winger. So, you know, they, they had some, the ones coming through, I mean, there was a little, my old boot boy was a good little player called Ronnie Bull. What yeah, everybody, character he everybody was. on last week, I was yeah. going to ask you what about him, yeah. the character. Uh, I loved him. What a great lad. Yeah, good good kid. Um, yeah, and obviously Bertie, <laughs> you, you know what Bertie's like. He's, 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 he knows everyone. He, he's got a lot to say. I've got, I love Bertie. Good lad. Um, and we, we all, you know, when we catch up, yeah, it's like, probably haven't spoken to Nevers as much, to be fair. I haven't seen much of Nevers. Obviously, I've, Daishi, I played with, obviously, and he's obviously the manager of Burnley. Jesus, I, I've done my B licence with him, and you look and you're going, how well has he done in, in his career? And he probably didn't, you know, he, he, he did play a few games for Millwall, didn't he, to be fair, and done well with that that year. He did, he did. As I said, it's a disappointing season in 97, 98, finished 18th. I picked a highlight out. You mentioned him earlier, Andy Gray, 2-1 win at Fulham. You played that day. Oh, good game. Yeah, good game. Um, um, listen, he, he was a good play- What character of all characters. Uh, at Palace, he used to run the dressing room, him, him, him and Ian Wright. So when I'm a youngster coming through, like when they look at you, you sort of go, well, yeah, they're the men. Coming to Millwall, they brought him in there for a bit of leadership as well. He gave us some drive. Uh, wasn't fit. Weren't, weren't fit enough, but because he had that much quality, I think the guy at Fulham was an absolute blinder, sort of burst through in the middle of the pitch and great strike. Um, yeah, good player. Very, very good lad. Very good lad. I think he was living up in Scotland for a bit as well. Um, yeah, he used to bring some real charisma to the to the training ground. Um, probably the only other person who I probably who I never played with him, but I really, really like him. So, well, in fact, I did play with him for a bit because he came back, was um, Jimmy Carter. And... I think he does some like commercial stuff at the club now. Yeah, I mean, he's he, a big he Oh, character he's a dark Jim. Horse, a he, he comes across as Mr. Yeah. Clean Cut, but apparently he's a right good lad. Like, oh, he'll be yeah. able to... Jimmy Carter was a funny bloke. Yeah, he was. He was. Brilliant. Definitely. Yeah. So the 1998-99 season is Rhino Macca coming. I was going to ask you, where was your contract at this point? Because when you originally signed, you know, it was at the club five years... What did you sign for originally? If you don't mind saying, that, not money wise. I, I signed. I signed. Went. I signed three years. Yeah. And then there was talk about me going to Reading, Norwich, and Derby, and I think I got slaughtered in the press about saying I want to go when I didn't want to go. Um, and I, I, get, I think I signed another two years with a, with an option. And um, I actually, it was a weird one because you got a little bit of love hate. Because the love is is that the club is so 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 good in terms of loads of people around it, but actually the hate is that you, you, I want to play all the time. I want to play, and there was no guarantee at the time that I was going to play because you got Kale coming through, you got Birchy, Rano said everyone's playing for their places. I think I started the season. In fact, that was the season I think I done my arm, and mm. then I came out, and then I struggled to get back in. Um, mm. The team were flying, by the way, like you had. Um, the youngsters were really coming into fruition then, in terms of the Eiffels and, and and the Reeds. I think we um who did we play? We had a couple of absolute ding dongs against Gillingham. A couple of uh, games where like one of them might have been three three, where 
I played in that. But yeah, listen, I haven't, I haven't seen I haven't seen Rana for quite a while. I've seen Mako around a bit. Then Mr. Mill. So if they're not having you, they're telling you. If they're having you, they tell you. And I was a straight person like that. And listen, both of them got a lot of time for a lot of time from his people because of um about about well they did for the football club and they they were I mean. I can't tell you how underestimated Rano was was a player. He technically was very, very good. And his standards were brilliant. Mm. He's supposed to be a brilliant leader, a brilliant pro. Obviously, everyone at Mill loves him, but at times, uh, it could be a little bit miserable, especially if a youth team player tried to chirp up to him. He used to put a few people to bed, didn't he? Oh, he's no nonsense. Yeah, he, he shot me down a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm not going to make no bones about it. He, he he just he wears his heart on his sleeve and yeah Jesus but I would just go as far as saying he he would he would die for the club mm. he's getting that right him he was um he was a top bloke after being Kevin O'Callaghan as well was a, one of the coaches at the time and the you know the, the one who bought all the other boys some of the boys Tom Wally who was one of the youth team coaches the youngsters coming through what what I would say with all of those they were all good people. And no, no coincidence why they all went and let's get it right. Had good careers, mm. real good careers in terms yeah. of like the Reeds, Kales, and all those Lucas. If you could pick one of them at that point when they first started breaking through, was there one that you thought? I mean, let's have it right. They all went on to play in the Prem, but is there one you'd thought, yeah, he's going to be the one? The most naturally gifted was Lucas, who's both footed, had the lot, could play right back, right wing, centre midfield. No doubt about it. Reedy took a bit longer to, to come through and then became, remember one pre-season, we got him down to like a fitness place when we were looking after him and he come back and he was like a machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kale probably stands out for me because of what he offered the team. And if you said to now, how much would Tim Kale be worth now in oh. terms of what people pay money for? Jesus, I mean... it. You take out a Lampard, a Gerard, uh, a Skulls type. He probably was the best arriving in the box player at, at, at the time outside of a sort of top four, top six club. He was that good. And by the way, his leap was something. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. How, I can't tell you how good it was. It, and literally, I, I just remember him. He came across the train one day, and we're doing crossing and finishing. And I'm thinking he just. His kid's all right. But he, he was making runs in the box and his finishing was, yeah, he was, for me, standout player. I laugh because a few people we spoke to said the first time you saw him jump and hang in the air to hit that ball, people were like, that don't look fucking human. The way he used to hang, jump, the height, oh. how long he used to hang in the air for. Like A few players have said that we've had on. Yeah, he, he, he was phenomenal. He was honestly phenomenal. And do you know what? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He became a better player, obviously, as in passing and all that, but... What I loved about him, he knew what he was good at. Yeah. And he did it. So, he, he you know, for me, I, I do, I coach a lot now. And we've got some outstanding players in our agency. And, you know, you talk about, if you're talking about Adele Alley, that, that, that's what kind of uh, Tim Cale was for mm. a Millwall, for an Everton, for those years where he was your man on the spot. If you, if, I mean, yes, you had the strikers, you had Sadler and Harris and Paul Moody and all them guys there. But, I would say probably even now, if you had a 23, 24-year-old Timmy Cahill in a top six team, I think he scores 15 goals to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Which is priceless, isn't it? We we finished 10th that year. You said you played 29 times. You didn't play as much as you'd liked, but um, you said... How old was you at this point? Sorry, 98, 99. I'd have been been about 28, 29. So, yeah, it's fair to say. I mean, look, you've done very yeah. well, mate, because looking at the squad from at this point, 98-99, from what it was when you signed, it's pretty much a complete new squad. Only yourself, Rhino, and Ricky Newman were left, pretty much. So, yeah. you've done very well. You, you you covered it slightly, and I think, you know, fair play to you. It was admirable way you said, you you know, these players coming through. Young players, you're more of an experienced pro. Did, did you think, you know, I was going to embrace this and try and help them along their way now instead of an older pro? Some older pros might go, who's these fucking kids? You know what I mean? Coming through. Mind or like to you um, see what you embraced it in the right way. I was lucky because when I was at Palace, I made I, I came I came in what I came in at nineteen twenty and I made my debut back to Liverpool as a yeah twenty twenty one year old and um, Jeff Thomas was playing just in the England squad Andy Gray and they took me under their wing righty for the few weeks that he was there 
Eddie McGoldrick, those kind of guys. And I always thought, you know what? When I become the older player, I want to make sure I'm in touch with the youngsters because I know how hard it is in this environment. And I used to stay out with the Reeds and the Eiffels, play two-touch, get in early, because I loved it. I loved it. But actually, I love seeing the, these kids here coming through and, you know, Reedy for me, like family friend, great, great kid. Um, yeah, it was just it was just how I was. And, and I sort of took that forward in terms of with my agency and the academy and that where mm. I think you've got to have good people around you. And if you have good people around you, you won't go too far. And yes, you need a bit of luck in this game. And, and one thing I would say with the time at Millwall, because the squad wasn't that big, I think it was slightly easier for the younger players to make their breakthrough and get in. You know, if you look now at the squad, you've got your three centre-halves in Pierce, um, Cooper, who's done really well, Hutchinson. And then I think they played Leonard there a couple of times. So if mm-hmm. you're a youngster coming through as a centre-half, where's your, where are you going to play? Midfield, absolutely log-jammed. And up front, there's, you know, they've got three or four. So actually, the times now, I look at and go, would I have made it in football now? I'm going up. I was a runner. I was athletic. So yeah, I could, I could match that side. It was always fit. Actually, your pathway's slightly different now in terms of. I think the squads are smaller, so you, so you get more of a chance quicker. Mm. I, I think nowadays, unless you're exceptional, I mean, you look at Ben Thompson, he's been around a group for a long, long time, hasn't he? You know, he's been around a group a long, long time. He's still in it. Marlon Romeo, also they got from Gillingham, I think Fitzy got him from. Uh, he's now at the team because the lad Matt Namara, who I really, really like, by the way, he's come in and, and he's a good player. Good player, he's man, a yeah. very good player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's waited his time. He went out alone at the St. Johnson, I think. Yeah, you know, uh, he's a good kid. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how many are gonna get through because there is, as I said, more, more older players coming back. But back to your question, yeah, it's just for me, I always wanted to help help people. And if it helped me, then listen, it's the key thing for me, that is. Mm. You said like the youngsters coming through. They got their chance. It was probably one of the good things to come out of the club going into administration that we couldn't buy anyone. So we brought the youngsters through. When we come out of administration, 98-99 season, Theo Pafitas is now the chairman. Neil Harris joins the club. What was your dealings with Theo and, with, if, if any, and, and Neil Harris? What did you make those characters joining the club? Theo, absolute top bloke, honestly. I, I think, I, for some reason, I'll tell you happened... He got, we had a real weird sponsor, like it was a Norwegian TV something, I remember rightly. I, in fact, he gave me my new deal and, you know, honoured all my stuff in it. And I thought he's a beastman, top beastman, really good bloke. I, I remember um, Chopper coming into training and at the time we had, and these are the names we had, Nathan Ellington on trial, Dave Kitson and Neil Harris. And we're going, we're doing a training session and Ellington... And Harris was on our team. And they absolutely destroyed. I can't remember who the centre arse at the time. They ran them ragged. So I remember, um, I remember Rhino and Bob, I think Bob Pearson bought Chopper in. And uh they, they pulled me in and I went, You've got you've got a choice here. Kit Kitson is more of a Millwall type player, how he was, like get it in, bully people. But it was really, really raw. He came from like a team like called Arsley Town or something. I can't was, that the, was that the ginger fella, the ginger striker? Yeah, he was at Reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good yeah. career. Good career. Ellerton was at someone like Walton and Ersham. And this kid come, it, you could see he was going to be a good player, this one. He was unbelievable. We never took him. 
Nick Chopper come back a week later, played in the reserve game. I watched him, he was at the Den, done really well. And I think actually he played the last game of the season. Mm. I think that year. And then he come back and the rest is history. I mean, on any given day, I mean, I see him score a goal one, I think we might be in Ipswich one day. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Like, good, great player. Um, obviously then went and become the manager, which is always going to be a tough when you're like a Lampard situation when you're the legend at a football club. Mm. Um, probably took Millwall as far as he could go in terms of, I don't know if you agree here, you look about the budgets and the money, Mill got near the playoffs a couple of times, didn't they? You know, right on the edge of it. And I think, um, obviously then he went to Cardiff and it hasn't worked out at Cardiff. He'll be back in management. You know, obviously I know David Livermore. I played with David as well. So Livers was a, was a top lad. Um, and listen, I can't speak highly enough of Chopper. You know, um, obviously took a couple of... I, I also managed um, Joe Martin as well when he came in down the middle for the short spell, which was... Um, through Chopper as well. So, yeah, he, as a player, yeah, he, he, he'd probably go down as a... Would you put him in the same breath as Cascarino sharing him? You, you probably would do, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 but, um, yeah. I mean, I know, I know the level was... We was at as a, at a club at that point was a bit lower, but the goals he scored, uh, mate, unbelievable amount of goals he scored. He pipped Teddy Sheridan for the record, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's... um Yeah, he, for me... Yeah, as you're talking about as a club legend, yeah, all, all day long for me, Chopper, without a doubt. I picked out two other highlights in that season, but we covered them earlier. It was your red card, <laughs> which is strangely at Millwall can be a highlight. Like you said, you got a standard ovation that day and the auto windscreens final, which you didn't, you know, play in. In the 99-2000 season, you only played three times. Um, was, it, was, it, was it frustrating for you that you can see these youngsters coming through, you can see Chopper coming through, and the club moving forward, you really want to be in the team at this point? Did you, did you say you want to stay and fight for your yeah. place or would you add an off and eye back who in? Was, that who, who was the manager at that time? Because did we not have... Um, McGee comes I in after Mark McGee gets sacked away at Brentford. Yeah. Mark McGee come in. What was he like, Mark McGee, as well? And, you know, did you think you could still impose yourself on the team at this point or would you you realise you might have to be looking elsewhere? No, there was a real political one where I'd had the injury, couldn't get back in and I was going to go out alone. He liked me as a player. So... Um, Problem was the team was flying. Mm. I think uh, we, we brought in a was he Belgian winger, Chris Chris Connect. Yeah, what was he like? Uh, <laughs> he, oh, wild card, Maverick. What a player! Like so, we, we had some. Yeah, I mean, I make no bones about it. You're watching a game, you're tweeting, you're going, "Geez, these boys are doing all right." You ain't getting in it, and it was a bit of a sad one because. I didn't want to leave the club not not fulfilling being involved in him going up, and obviously mm. we did. Um, yeah, and it was tough because, as you said, the team were flying, and I had my own personal pride where I'd go in every day, train, do things proper. I never tossed it off. I did things right, but just you know, sometimes in your career, it, don't, it just, just doesn't happen for you. And yeah. that was one of those years there. Yeah. It's funny, so we, we actually got to the playoffs that year, didn't go up. And then in the second year, we did go up. So the year we went up, you were still a Millwall player. And like you, I, I, I looked on your Wikipedia this morning, did a bit of research, and I saw that he was at the club for the last two years, didn't really play, wasn't really injured, um, but didn't go out alone either. And I thought, I obviously didn't know you. Speaking to you, I can 100% tell you would never be tossing anything off and thinking, fuck this, I'm going to sit this contract out. So was that, it must have been a frustrating time for you at the club, obviously. No games at all. Was you, was you involved at all? Was you still in around the dressing room and fully involved yeah, in the training yeah, ground? Training, 
yeah, all the every, all the time. I trained with the first team. Um, Mark McGee was good like that with me in terms of. Um, I mean when I mean when Claridge, I think with Claridge and Cotty coming. Yeah, same Claridge, day. I mean, Jesus, up. <laughs> he came with a train, left it, run, run down to the betting shop in his socks and his things to put, to have a to have a bet. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Like he's um, he was. I've never met anything like him. Do you know what? He, he um, was an car. A player, an ex, an ex, an ex player told me. I, you know, this has never gone out on the channel. That one of one of the most, I think it was Daishi pulled him and went yeah. fucking smart on yourself up. What's wrong with you? Look at the state you're. You fucking flip flops. Oh. Just, just, just coming out the car, fucking t-shirt that's been worn for three days straight. You, you look to him sometimes. You think this? Honestly, God, you, you think he'd be selling the big issue or something? <laughs> he, 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 I'd never seen anything like it. But if you said to him, right, we're going to do a, a twelve-minute run, he'd. I mean, I could run. We had some running. He was top of the group. He was so fit. It was unbelievable. And you know that he'd probably been there, been a quarter pounder last night or whatever. He, he was in absolute state. But the training, you think, oh, no, this geezer's not, he, he's not going to score a goal. He'd be like, I, I remember playing against him when he was at Leicester, I think. And he was an absolute nuisance. He was a great player. I mean, Cotty come when he was sort of like gone. But you put a finishing draw on, he put it right foot, left foot. Anywhere you want, he was unbelievable. Um, Paul Moody was a very underrated player. Mm. Paul Moody was a very underrated player. He he was um, probably obviously before Morrison. He's probably like a who's a lad, Matt Smith. Yeah, up front you got yeah. He, Moody was a bit like Moody was a good player. Good. He was actually very underrated in terms of the, the year when they done really well. He he, he took a lot of the um, the buffeting from for, for Chopper, and he, he was a good player, very good player. Yeah, we've had some, you know, Kerry Dixon, I think, is another character I probably have met. Oh, what a person. Uh, unbelievable. So, obviously, a lot older than me, but, you know, those kind of lads there, like the carriages, the, you know, the people, some of the people you mentioned, for actual playing with them and being around them, you, you learn a lot. Mm. I've got to tell you, you learn a lot as a person. Chris Malkin, we actually had Chris Malkin in last week, and he, he, what, was he, what did he call him? Did he call him the Falcon or something? I said, why did you call him Falcon? Kestrel. Kestrel. Just loiters at the back yeah. post, said, but he was a, in and around the dressing room. He went, what, what a character he was, proper leader. And Chris Malkin said, actually, like, it started to go wrong under thing, you know, McCarthy leaving, but also we let Kerry Dixon go around the same time. And Chris Malkin said that has yeah. a massive impact on the dressing room because he was brilliant. We should have kept hold of him. Oh, yeah, he was... Yeah, he, he he was a bit of the he was a glue. I mean, he just said to me, he said, "Bob, just get it into my feet." He said, "I'm just strong. I'm stronger than everyone." He, he, he was that confident in himself. I mean, I think the day we beat Palace, he, I think he came on. And he just ragged on people. I mean, it was a night at Reading one night, but he played old. He was unbelievable. Yeah, like, really. Yeah, you you're right. He he. I actually forgot that how good a player he was. He, he, he'd go right down as. One of the best strikers, to be fair, Mill at the time. One player we haven't spoken about is Ricky Newman. Now, as a teenager, seeing you and Ricky both come from Crystal Palace, both playing in the centre of midfield together, in my you know, juvenile mind, I just assume you and him were best mates, so we've not mentioned him yet. So what were you and Ricky? Do you have a good relationship off the pitch as well as... I think you played a lot together in the centre of midfield, didn't you? Yeah, well, actually, you know what? We actually didn't. He actually played a lot of right back. Oh, he did, yeah. He, he was did. really weird. Yeah, he, he played... A, I actually... He came as a centre midfield player because 
he was actually in the Palace team when I was out of it for a while, playing with Southgate, and then I played on the right for a while. Um, as a lap, I mean, myself, Ricky, and Dave Savage were really, really, quite, really close. Uh, Rick, was I really close to him? Rick used to live out somewhere like kind of um, Farnborough, sort of like Woking way, that way. He was quite aloof, really, Rick. But um, as a, what a laugh, what, what a great lad in terms of, um, he was still playing football up to a few years ago, playing for some like, it's good all the shot and doing well. I still see dad going at all the shot games or if I'm at a couple of games, the dad just loves football. Great character. Great character. He, I think it was actually quite unfair for him because he actually didn't play as many games in centre midfield as probably he should have done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Us just shattered a teenage dream of mine. I just assume you and him were like fucking best buddies. No, no. <laughs> no, we're good friends, but no, we weren't. No, me, me and Dave Savage were probably best friends. Good boy, Sav. We had him on. Yeah. To tell some great stories when he came on. He's fucking. Oh, he used to take me to Ireland. Used to Ireland. I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember coming down his road and um, the kids. The kids see, see us in the car and they went, "The Panthers are here." Like they'd never seen a black geezer in their street. <laughs> Honest to God, he lived. He lived in a. He lived in a place called uh, Ballyfermont in a like real like poor naughty place. The people, his family. I mean, I had three roast dinners in one day. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like, seriously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was, a, he was another underrated player. Silky feet. I mean, we scored a fantastic goal one, one night. Um, yeah, it might have been at Evan. I think he scored a good goal. Yeah, um, yeah he's, yeah. I think he lives up in Northampton now. So, obviously, yeah. I haven't seen him as much. But, um, yeah, top, top bloke. Top bloke. The Panthers are here. <laughs> yeah, the Panthers are here. Yeah. Now Luke Danny memory, me and Tony Ritter in the in the cab with him. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up obviously your time at the club comes to an end. It must have been something that was obviously half expecting you wasn't getting in. Was you happy to go at this point and, and carry on playing? Yeah, listen, it was one of those where the agency had started to fly, so I was I <laughs> what am I doing now? Um Oh, so you started the agency. So we'll get on to it shortly as well. That you you now you're a football agent and you've got an academy. So you'd already started that put the wheels in motion for that. Well, yeah, well, I, I dealt with putting some players. Players pay wanted help, yeah, um, and being the right people. Because ultimately, the one thing happened with me, I, I, I had Gaz's agent when I first started, and not speaking that term, watched me play a couple of times, done me a good deal, didn't have any involvement in my football, couldn't help me. Then I had um, another guy who looked after Stuart Downing, who. For me, what's the what, what's what's the part of this started thing? For me, at the time, I, I would always want someone who could talk to me about my game, great, be a friend, be someone to bounce off and and be trustworthy. I think um, it's really really tough now in terms of looking get getting the right kind of profile of player. I mean, we've had some a lot of our good players have come from underneath and jumped up because ultimately. As a business now, I, 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 do you remember him, Jamie Morley? Yeah, yeah, I've, Jamie's been on the yeah. show. Yeah, top like good friend of mine. So he's got his age, he's good, new era, they're very good with Rio Ferdinand, lot, and he's done well for himself, really well. Great grafter, good lad, and we, we've got similar values. Um, listen, I'll, I'll be lucky that um, when I came to the end of the football, I, I played, I played for, so I played four years after that at Colchester, which was um, a totally different club to Millwall, like a real. Small club in a, out in Essex. We got promoted in with Phil Parkinson. That was good. Uh, and then what do I do? Make a decision. 
I weren't going to play. And then Epsley offered me a ridiculous deal. Paid for there for a year. Uh, then I went to Bromley under the old Palace chairman, Mark Goldberg. Right. We got them promoted. So we actually beat AFC Wimbledon in the playoffs. So you look where Wimbledon are now. Wimbledon are League One club. Obviously, Bromley in the, the National League. But um, And then, obviously, the agency became more and more forefront of doing that in terms of uh, heading up all the recruitment of players. Um, the academy is very good. So we've got probably top three, four academy in the whole of London and probably South East. Mm. We run, uh, not far from Mills Ground, we run one of the education programmes out of uh, the London Nautical School, Waterloo. Right. So we, we run that as a part of our thing. We've had, we've just had a, we've had a boy this morning actually just being signed by a coach system. So, uh, which is good news. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's a different world seeing it all in terms of that. Uh, I'll get down, previously before the lockdown, I, I probably used to get down at least once a month to the ground, either doing a bit of co-commentary or going to watch a game with either our players at Millwall or the rival team. So, and um, so many old faces there. It's great to see them. You know, really good people there at the club. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, who I've known for years, obviously the academy manager. Um, you probably, would you remember him? Kenny, or Kenny Brown's here. Kenny Brown's, we're trying to get Kenny on the show, yeah. Now, he is a character. He very, so Kenny Brown, Billy Bonds brought Kenny Brown in and Paul Allen, I believe. Yeah, at the time, it was unbelievable pros then too, but real good. But yeah, Brandy's great lad, and uh, they've got some really good people in the youth section. Obviously, Robbo's there, Nuge, um, Chris Perry. Mm. So you know, the things are quite bright for me. All I just think, um, obviously, I haven't seen too many games of late. There seems to be a bit of a struggle of actually gone. Have they got enough goals to win a game? Because mm. um, at the moment, you look where they are in the league. On paper, they probably should be maybe a little bit higher. But you look at that league, there's some absolute powerful, big, big teams underneath them, aren't they? Yeah, it's a tough league this year, I think. Got any Mill Youth team players on your on your books? We've got a couple of younger ones in my like 14s, 15s who come to my academy, come from out there. Uh, I haven't really seen too much of the youth team because of the lockdown and that, but I'm being told there's some there's a couple of real special talents there. They've always produced a player. Sadly, they normally sell them before they get in the first thing. Mm. Yeah. Which, which is um, a thing. I mean, what, what would I say, Millwall now, the expectation, what would be the expectations of, of fans in terms of where do you think they should finish? I mean, do they think they should be in the top eight? Uh, I don't know anymore at the moment, really. Cause no, of, I don't. Well, sur- survival is key, mate. Survival is key for me this season. It's interesting because you said, I mean, look, if you play football for a living, 99% of footballers love football. And I'm, I obviously love football because I do this channel. But sometimes you, I've got, I've just got a real sense that you just fucking absolutely to this day, despite your whole career, you you, you stopped playing, but you never really retired, have you? Because you started the integration into coaching and your academy. I could just sense how much you just love it. You just absolutely love it, and that's rubbed off because your son is also now a professional footballer as well. Yes, yeah, I'm lucky in that way because I've had some good people. I mean, Gary Alexander does some of my coaching. Uh, one of the ex-Brentford boys. Uh, Charlie McDonald, who actually is a Bermondsey boy, literally used to live two minutes from the ground. I've got some really, Simon Osborne, who used to play for uh, Palace with me and is at Reading. I've got a lot of good people, good coaches who, who, who work for us, but also, like Gary Alexander, loves football. I mean, he's, man- he's managing Glebe. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at him going, Gal, what are you doing? And he, he loves it. Uh, what a top bloke, obviously, everyone remembers his three goal and that, and you know, when you see when you see these kind of guys working with these kids, kids don't, parents don't get it because they don't realise how hard it is 
been to get to the level and then how do you stay at the level? So my boys realising that if you stay in, you're going to have half a chance. Mm. I think um, with COVID now and this year, being interested with clubs like Millwall and that because what do they do in terms of their budget? What, how do they go with it? Are they going to be a bit more tighter run? I, I don't know because obviously, you know, for me, the, the lad Cooper's done really, really well. Can mm. he go next level? If you look at a Cooper, he, he sort of reminds me of a bit of like a, a dunk at Brighton. Like, winner, scores goals from set pieces, dangerous. Um, I think Romeo's been there a long time now. So my boy plays him when he's out in Antigua, playing for the national team. Uh, says he's a good player. But I think you look at you go, he's been there a long time now, hasn't he? Hasn't really. I thought he'd be with the one who maybe would have possibly kicked on and, and got sold, if I'm being honest with you. Mm. Um, I like the lad Woods. I think he's a good footballer. I think he's a really good player. Um, and they brought the lad in. Is he brought a lad in from Birmingham? I believe I haven't seen him play. Keithton Bell, yeah, he is definitely Dangerous a lad. type player. He's uh, he's played two games, been booked twice, rattling right. people. <laughs> uh, happy days, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, what the position club. your son Daniel play then? Oh, don't always an eighteen goal centre midfield player. Went into Charlton, they made him a centre back within two weeks. Played oh. uh, ball playing centre back. I'll, I'll send you some of your links. He's um, yeah, listen. Good footballer, needs to have my mentality a bit more in terms of like that edge. Because I think the one thing that taught me at Millwall is if you haven't got an edge and a, and a resilience, you're not going to get there. And the top players have that for me. The top players have that. I think there's fine lines now in terms of um, what what is a top player. So people talk about elite players. You know, there's a lot of boys in the championship who... So we took a boy from um, Brentford, who went to Barnsley, then Swansea, now at Fulham, Alfie Mawson, who we were going to take him to Millwall because Chopper loved him, met him and everything. But actually, he was a ball-playing ball centre-back. So we actually, at the time, we thought, you know what, Barnsley had just sold Holgate and Stones. So we looked at it and a football thing. It would have been easy for me, being at Millwall, 25 minutes from my house. Mm. We moved to Barnsley, which is two and a half hours from my house, three hours from my house. We think about the player, what's the right profile? So if you're talking about for me, if I've taken a player to Millwall, he's got to have something in his DNA. He's got to have a, he's got to have, he's got to be a winner, but he's also got to know that he's got to be good without the ball. Because ultimately, when the fans come back in the ground, when you see a good Millwall team, I mean, you probably would have been there when they had the cup run a few a couple of years ago. I, I watched them absolutely run over Bournemouth one one Saturday then, and I'm like, Bournemouth had some good players out of the day, but Millwall's energy and Desire that that that's that's a Millwall team. When you see people talk about our uh, Millwall long ball, well, let's get it right. Us with Liverpool, Liverpool play long ball. Makes the sound it's a right ball. I think Millwall have tried to have that balance of trying to evolve because Millwall have never been a really a three-five-two team or three, they've always been a four-four-two team. Mm. Get it up there, squeeze, get the ball in the box. But as we spoke earlier in the show, I think um, have they ever have they ever replaced Steve Morrison? I mean, yeah. he, he was an exceptional player for how Millwall played in terms of... And even when he was coming to the end, you know, I look and go, mm, he runs the channels, he bullies centre-halves, score of good goals. I think um, you, ju you judge these days on... I don't see many goal scorers who, who, yeah. who are in the box. I think the... You know, I don't know, did, um, you look at Norwich. Norwich, Norwich, everyone told me they're the best team. I put, of late, I've seen Brentford. Obviously, Brentford have got Bristol City tonight. I think Brentford, 
could go up this year. Mm. I do honestly think Swansea have done well. Um, I, I don't. I think as he Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Watford, I think are very inconsistent. But I've got knockout players who can win your games, like Saar, Solankin, all those kind of things. I think I don't, I don't know if you agree with me. I'm not sure Mill have got what I call a wow player. I think the wow player is probably Jed Wallace, isn't it? Really? Yeah. He's um he's been off the boil a bit, Jed. He's, he's starting to come back, but we do rely too heavily on him. But you're spot on, you know, with the Morrison and with Gregory, we pluck them out of non-league. And that that don't really happen no more for your 40 grands, for your 200 grands, does it? And and, and also as well, the way football's gone now, the formations and, and, and the, the patterns that people play, if you're a centre forward now, you're not really an out-and-out centre forward. You've got to drop deep, you've got a link play, you and you've got to, you know, you don't really get the out-and-out fucking Alan Shearer's there, like the out-and-out Van Nisselroy's who scored these amount of goals. I mean, we're not going to get players on like it anyway, but yeah, we are definitely struggling, mate, for that for that type of player, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right. I think like all, all our teams, we sort of play four four two diamond because like, it's four four two, but lopsided. But ty, we like to have two up front, and I think you want teams. I want to see teams score. I, I ain't seeing a, a centre forward. I mean, the lad you was on about earlier, I've brought him Tottenham. He's technically an unbelievable player, but is he a Millwall player? Do you mean? I mean do, am I right saying Harry Kane came with Millwall? Yeah, yeah, you're talking of course about Troy. You know, yeah, we spoke about that off, off air, didn't we? Quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's good, he's good player, this lad, but obviously, he probably didn't get a chance. But Mill strikers have always been hard running, hard working, mm. you know, that relentless kind of running type. And I think, you know, if you look at probably a player that would have suited Mill, would have been the lad who actually went to Brentford, Ivan Tony, yeah. like you know, that, that kind of powerhouse, um, kind of strike. And I think, um, as you said, though, where'd you find him? Because a lot of the academy strikers are now come and get it, link it up, and be nice. You want someone who's going to sort of get the end, get the head on things, and, and arrive on arrive in the box. I still think uh, I don't think Mill will cross the ball as much now. No, we try. We just don't. That. They just don't. The crosses just don't go where they should do. Should we say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, no. It's, listen, uh, being on this show has been great because um, for me, six years sort of flew by. It's amazing when you sort of wield all the names that you've put or played with and been around, and a lot of them. Oh, I mean, there's probably some I've missed, but like there's some absolute knockout people in terms of like you can't have a drink with. They're good people. Well, mate, you've you know? led me on to my final two questions. Absolutely beautifully linked me in there. I asked two questions at the end. I asked for a standout memory from your time at the club, and I also asked if you could go for one last drink tonight with three of your ex-mill teammates. Who would they be? Who oh, would be the three? Jesus, you're putting me under stress there, aren't you? It's three plus you. Right. It's three plus you. So. Right. Dave Savage would be one. Because <laughs> he was an absolute nutter and I got on really well with him. Ben Thatcher would be definitely number two. <laughs> ben Thatcher would be number number three. God. It'd have to be Robbo. He's like, I've been I've known him since he's 15 years of age. So yeah, it'd have to be Paul Robinson. That's not a bad mix. Standout memory. God, dear. If this goes out, it'd probably be the Palace game. Yeah. The 2-1. Um, just because of... Talk, talk us through the run, the, you know, against your old club and, and the goal as well. And I'll, I'll throw the clip in as well of, of um, Malkin's finish, but a brilliant, marauding run for you through the midfield and a left-footed cross and all. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird. It's so early in the game. And like the crowd, I was a bit hyped up because... I get, I've been getting wound up by the Palace, all the Palace lads, because obviously I knew them so well. Um, and I knew so many people at the club. And 
it was a club game in me starting my career. So it was, you know, it was one of the ones. But the, the one, the one thing that helped me was Mick just said to me, "You've got nothing to prove." Um, and actually, just went out there and played my game. But yeah, that that, that was a great moment. I, I still give Andy Roberts and Richie Shaw a bit of stick how quick I went past them that day. I've got to be honest, he was a great header for Malcolm, wasn't it? Uh, uh, you know, he, he was a, uh, it was a decent cross, but let's get it right. He, he, he had some hang time. He was a good goal. And um, I was lucky I won man the match that day. And uh, that was a great day. Uh, there, was, there was another game where I felt we had a complete day. It, it, I might have been under Billy Bonds. We beat Watford. It was, it was actually 1-0, but we battered them. And I played with Alex. And I remember we got, I think Alex got called up to the Scotland squad after that game. And... Sometimes when you play a game and you, and you think we're not going to lose this game, we're just we're, we're just a better team. And then um, yeah, listen, there's been some good moments. Uh, obviously the Walsall goal. I remember I scored a scrappy goal against uh, Norwich. And um, actually, you know, managers. If you said to me who was the best manager, I'd probably say it was Mick. Uh, I thought Mark McGee was um, very very clever in how he how he set up his team, played the right boys. And kept Mick and Mark McGee had a very uncanny knack of keeping players who weren't playing happy. Mm. And I think if you look at a Klopp and these guys now, you can see what's happening. Like even like a Guardiola, all those some weeks people don't play, and then they come in and they 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 they're, they're dying for this bloke. I think you look at other teams at the moment. Are the players playing for him? I don't know. You look and you go, mm, not sure. And I think um, if, if there's one thing I take from football now is that integrity, honesty and all that is still there. But ultimately, if you look at now, it's become such a massive business. Like, so what hurts me the most is you've got a lot of, I know a lot of lads who play non-league where well, the non-league season sort of looks like it's going to be cut off even in the National League. And, you know, all the money at the top end, you know, I feel it should be filtered down into that because, mm. you know, Look at uh, grassroots football. No kids playing, you know, because of the COVID. But when they come back, you look what's going to happen. Non-league clubs probably going to fold. And I think that's the life from the breath of football. That, that, that you know, there are so many good young players who may just because of the COVID may not get a chance of of getting their dream, which mm. is going to be quite sad. You know, so um, you know, if if you look at a, a Millwall. I'd probably say Millwall are fifty percent better team with fans up, fans back, with fans in. Yeah, just simply because of the atmosphere, what they create. It's it, any player will tell you that it don't spur you on their line because mm. it does. It, it makes you want to do. You do well personally as a personal player, but you know when, when the den's rocking, it's a good place. Six years at the club, um, fond memories. Still fully involved at Mill. Still really 
you know, seem like you wear your art on your sleeve when it comes to me, or they still hold a pleasure, uh, special place in your art. And it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, listen, it's been fantastic. And when we get back to uh, normality, I look forward to see you at the ground and we maybe can catch up at the ground. We could catch up. Mate, 100%. No problem at all. Cheers, you, have a, you have a good day and stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 